This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Autism spectrum disorder is a complex disease, and scientists have discovered hundreds of genes that appear to be related to the disorder. Past testing on patients, though, might not have used the most up-to-date technologies available. And so scientists thought they had identified the major genetic components of the disease, but they might have missed other genetic variants that might also be important. So, for example, if a person was positive, a child was positive, let's say, for a big deletion on chromosome 16, they weren't included in the whole exome sequencing studies. And if a positive mutation was found in those, those patients were often excluded in the whole genome sequencing studies. And so it was kind of this attrition of individuals where we think we understood the genetic cause for the autism. Um, They were not followed up subsequently with additional technologies as they emerged. Evan Eichler is a geneticist at the University of Washington and lead author of a new study in the journal Genetics and Medicine. So that created a problem because it, it assumed that The variants that we discovered were actually 100% penetrant, which we know is not the case. And I think it it shortchanged us in terms of seeing kind of these multiplicity events that we're, we're starting to see when we do full genome sequencing. Dr. Eichler and his colleagues undertook a new study of 180 families seen at the University of Washington Clinic, which included nearly 600 affected and unaffected individuals. Some had family history of autism, affected siblings or parents, and some didn't. Some had already been tested for genetic links to autism. All participants were studied using genome sequencing, and subsets were also studied with microarrays and with exome sequencing in order to try to identify the likely genetic contributor to autism in these families. They looked for clinically relevant variants. So in terms of the clinically relevant, we went to basically the ACMG guidelines, and we we looked for events that would be classified as pathogenic or likely pathogenic by those guidelines. And then we had a second category, which is our potentially disease-relevant, which wouldn't necessarily make ACMG guidelines for anybody reporting, but these are ones where we actually have seen, from a research perspective, an excess of disruptive mutations in patients with autism. So these are kind of like the next generation of potential genes um, that you know maybe in two or three years some subset of which will be recognized as pathogenic. And they did the same for copy number variants. Overall, 21% of the cases had what would be considered a clinically relevant mutation, and about 40% had one that was likely or potentially pathogenic. And Dr. Eichler and his colleagues also found that genome sequencing was much more effective than exome sequencing, that it caught clinically relevant variants that otherwise would have been missed. And it's simply when we traced most of those back, it had to do with coverage differences. So even though whole exomes actually have very typically very deep coverage on an average, for any given location, they can be deficient. And so with whole genomes, the coverage is, in fact, much more uniform. For the purpose of discovering CNVs, whole genomes were far superior than exomes. So there was a much bigger pickup uh, in terms of CNVs. Dr. Eichler says that building on existing research, his study reinforced that the disease is not simply monogenetic. And I think what's, what's relevant probably to thinking about this problem of this variability in terms of the phenotypes is we saw that individuals, and we didn't have a lot of them, so we have to be careful not to, you know, to overinterpret this, but patients, and it was, I think, on, on the order of like slightly more than two dozen patients that actually had multiple mutations, so different genes in different locations of the genome, they actually had disruptive mutations in them. And we, we looked at the phenotype of those individuals, and we compared them to individuals that had a single event or no event that we could discover or classify those individuals would tend to be more severely affected. 
particularly with respect to IQ. And so those individuals tended to have a lower IQ than individuals that had a single event or no event uh, whatsoever. His team also found something that has been reported before, that siblings with autism did not always inherit or carry the same genetic risk variant. So it wasn't a 100% kind of correspondence between the presence of that variant and the development of autism, suggesting that there are other factors in those families that are playing an important role in terms of you know, developing autism other than just the variant itself. It does seem as if there might be something other than genetics at play, he says. Obviously, we got to do much better in terms of interpreting the variants, because we obviously have a large number of variants that we are still unsure about. But even having said that, even with full genome sequencing in those families where we had multiple platforms, you know, whole exome and arrays, there's still more than 50% of the patients that we found nothing, nothing that we could, you know, say that this is even likely or potentially pathogenic. And it may be that, you know, at some point, geneticists are going to hit a wall in terms of what they can, in fact, explain uh, with respect to such complex diseases such as autism. Most importantly, he says, this research points to the need to revisit genetic testing for families with more comprehensive approaches and reinterpret the results as new variants are determined. When we focus and just look, you know, at the regions that we feel most comfortable interpreting, such as the protein coding portions or the large CNVs, The data here suggests to me that we are actually not being comprehensive, nor are we, in many cases, discovering the actual causes that contribute to the severity of phenotype in those families. The the other thing, which I think is something that people should consider right now, is for all of those families where we think we've identified the genetic cause, so we have a deletion or a duplication, or we have a loss of function mutation, I think those families should be also subjected to whole genome sequencing. Because I think some of the variability in why some of their kids are severely affected and why some are not will be explained by whole genome sequencing. And that's only the starting point. And we should be coming back to those families over and over again as we gather more information and we can interpret a greater fraction of the variants that we we discover. Dr. Eichler says that his team's relatively small cohort should help set the stage for the research that should be done with much larger cohorts when tens of thousands of families and genomes are sequenced. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.